Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Blue Jackets. Well, we're at a spot where we didn't want to be in just yet, which is, of course, the offseason. Uh, as you all know by now, the Blue Jackets' fun playoff run came to an end against the Bruins in six games. We're going to talk a little bit about that series, maybe delve into the offseason a little bit, and we'll talk some Cleveland Monsters. Um, I am joined. I am William Chase, your host. We are joined today by Seeds. Seeds, what's up? Oh, how's it going? It's going. We're uh, we've had some more fun, uh, I guess, things to talk about, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah, this certainly isn't happy. Yeah, for sure. Petey, how's it going? You know what? It's a it's a it's a beautiful sunny day. Life goes on. It's it's just sports. Maybe on your end, it's raining over here, but yeah, I, I see your point. <laughs> and Elaine, what's up? Hi. Not much good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, but I guess the vibe obviously is a little bit down. But uh, so, yeah, so the Jackets had a really, a really fun playoff run. Obviously, the sweep over the Lightning. Um, Things started out pretty promising, I guess, against the Bruins. Obviously, a 2-1 series lead, a chance to go home, make a statement. And, of course, the bottom sort of fell out there. Um, I guess I kind of just wanted to, I guess, touch base um, on that series with the Bruins and anything that you guys also want to add, whether just the entire playoff run in general. But um, I want to start with Seeds. Uh, What's your, I guess, what's your overall takeaway or what is your what's on your mind like right now about this team and kind of just either what transpired with the playoffs or maybe going forward okay um i I apologize in advance for our listeners if this is a little bit long-winded but um i'm still trying to recover from losing because i really thought this this team was different i thought these guys had the horses to make a true run deep in the playoffs i thought once the uh, once this team beat the Lightning, the path the path was there. I mean, it it was right there for them to make a run deep into the playoffs, and it it really hurts that you know this group, which is easily the most talented we've ever seen in franchise history, 
fell apart and lost three straight games to the Boston Bruins. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night uh, on locker cleanout day, and it sounds like from the comments of players, coaches, Yarmo, the biggest problem was that the Jackets took seven, seven or seven penalties in the game on in game four and let the Bruins stars grow into the series. And it was just kind of over from there. Once Marshand and Bergeron and Pasternak were able to just find their footing. Um, it's going to take a long time for me personally to get over this. You know, I thought this was the, I thought this was the chance. I thought this was the team that was going to make it to the Eastern conference finals, make a run, make some noise, set, set ratings records left, right and center. Like they had been doing it just, really really sucks i thought i just you know i i sat you know i re i recapped the game game six and it really was hard for me to do it in the third period because and you'll notice if you read read my recap it's kind of short because i kind of just sat around and cried a lot of the time i really really was sad watching this season just come to an end despite shots on the shots on goal shots on the post but in the at the end of the day Tuka Rask was better than our best players and our secondary offense did not show up. Um, Ryan Dezingle was non-existent and it's just going to take a lot of time to get over the jackets. They had the horses to get, to get there and just ultimately did not get it done. PD, what about you? Well, so I, I surprisingly was, was not as emotional uh, about the loss. I think I did a good job of, keeping my expectations low for the postseason, and so they exceeded my expectations. I had predicted they would lose the first round in five games. They won it in four. I predicted they would lose the second round in five games. They lost it in six. So they were always kind of playing with house money, uh, which is good. Um, but I, it did hit me a little bit when NBC's cameras were lingering on Bobrovsky after game six, and because then it kind of hit me like, Oh wow, that's that's it. That's the end of the Bob era, and um, it's been what six years of, or seven years of of him manning the goal, and you could feel pretty you know safe with the team. Like, all right, we've got him in goal, we got a shot, and so it's going to be weird moving forward with a different goalie. Um, and but I still think there's a good core on the team: uh, Jones, Lorensky, Nudavara. Dubois, Atkinson, Bjorkstrand, Anderson, Jenner. You know, this is a good group, but I, you know, I, I'm a little uneasy about and can we get through the summer and find, you know, a, that dynamic playmaking type player like Panarin was for them. Uh, like Duchesne can be if they can hold on to him, or if both those guys walk. Who's going to be that? Or is it going to be one of the new guys? Is it going to be Texier or Bemstrom or Booty? Uh, I don't know. So, so that makes me a little uh, uneasy about the summer. But uh, hopefully in the long run, we'll look back at this as a, as a turning point. Uh, that is a, as a good experience for this core that will be coming back, that will be here for a long time. Now that they know what it takes to win in the postseason, uh, let's see if they can carry that forward. Yeah, well said. Um, Elaine, uh, what thoughts do you have? I'm really glad that I went to a cello recital instead of watching the Jackets last game, only because I don't think I could have mentally and emotionally handled watching 
two elimination games in a row. Um, I didn't even watch the highlights. I, my mom kind of gave me a synopsis and so did my dad. I felt like we were going to be in it. I was really hoping for game seven, third round. I am really scared for this summer because I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like when the dust settles, we're, we're going to have Alexander Wenberg left and no one else. <laughs> um, no, I'm just a little, I'm just a little disappointed because I feel like we had all the right parts to do well. I was cautiously optimistic. I didn't think we would, you know, just keep sweeping teams, but I, I think they went too hard in the beginning of each game at the Bruins and the Bruins are used to people just hitting them left and right. So by the time like the second and third period rolls around, our guys are tired because they're not used to laying those hits all game. And the Bruins were like, okay, now it's time for us to speed it up. Um, Also the lack of rebounds. I don't, this is a problem also for the monsters. I don't know if, are they like not practicing them in practice? Are, is that something that they don't feel is a necessity? I, I don't get how they can leave a goalie out to dry so many times when they make a big save and then offense or defense isn't there to pick up a rebound. And that was a problem all season. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think that, I mean, it's so easy to look at it on TV and be like, just get the rebound or shoot the puck, like on the power play. But yeah, that's a good point. Um, I just wanted to add, I, I, I really agreed with, uh, but I think you all made really good points about kind of different perspectives. I really agreed with PD's perspective, I think, because um, as far as going into the series, I was pretty optimistic alongside Seeds, for instance, who we both had them going, I think. I think he had him in seven games. I had him in seven. I think I thought they would at least. I had him in six. Okay, so yeah, I we both had them in the Eastern Conference Final, and I know going into the playoffs, we no one thought they were gonna be there because nobody thought they'd get past Tampa. So after that initial sweep over the Lightning, um, I felt pretty optimistic as long as I knew Boston would be tough and I knew the series would be tougher because it wasn't gonna be easy like it seemingly was against the Lightning, but. I felt pretty good about it. Um, I thought as long as they play their game the way they showed they could play with the scoring and even the power play. I mean, that was unsustainable, but they showed that the power play can at least function. And Sergei Bobrovsky was stellar in net, and they had all the pieces going for them that as long as they stayed healthy was one of the things that, you know, you know, you can never predict. But I like their chances, but... I, at the same time, as the series wore on, uh, my expectation of potentially winning the series pretty much took that hit. I guess in Game 5, I felt okay after Game 4 when they lost at home because at least the series was tied, but I knew going on the road wasn't ideal. And Boston's been here before. They overcame a 3-2 deficit against the Leafs last series. So if any team, I guess, had that mindset of being able to come back and of course they weren't even playing their best hockey really in the first couple games their power play was one of ten um their big gun their big guns really hadn't started scoring yet but Tuka Rask had been you know every basically the equal to Bobrovsky and you know as far as this as the Jackets my 
expectations took a hit in game five. And after game five, I didn't really feel that confident about the team going forward as far as game six, but, or at least even a game seven. So I was kind of already adjusting my thoughts and expectations and thinking, okay, they had a really good run. Obviously the lack of five on five scoring and being able to even just score in the power play again, you know, were among the reasons why this team fell short and then taking penalties or, uh, you know, Bobrovsky at least, pretty much played as well as he could every game. Um, I mean, even this, a couple of those games where they gave up four goals, I mean, you know, they're like in game four at home, uh, taking penalties didn't help them. They had six power plays and scored on two of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, really lack of scoring when it mattered. Secondary scoring, like Seeds mentioned with the Zingle. And then, of course, uh, trying to overcome Boston's physicality, uh, losing players. Uh, like Riley Nash, who was kind of stepping up big there after <laughs> kind of a long season for him, but showing what he can do in a playoff series. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where my thoughts were, uh, kind of going from I think they can win this series as long as they play the way they're capable of, like they showed against the Lightning. But I think I actually wrote an article about uh, what went wrong against the Bruins that went up Wednesday and uh so for anyone listening though it was yesterday but one of the things that I kind of wanted to bring up with you guys was and I mentioned it in the article I kind of you know you can look at the lack of scoring the penalties power play drying up one of the things though um that reminded me of really last year against the Capitals the Jackets had a 2-1 lead in the series or you know they were leading a series and it felt like they were either standing still or going backwards while the other team in this case the Bruins made or either made adjustments or you know their big guys started playing well when it mattered and i was kind of curious about your guys' thoughts about either lack of adjustments from columbus's end or not being able to really i guess keep competing with the bruins um pd what did you think about that yeah that's that's a good point i i think the, that was a case where maybe the bruins uh experience paid off um you know this is a very it's a group that has gone through a lot of deep playoff runs and have done it together. So, you know, they don't panic when they're down in a series. Um, and yeah, you know, it was a matter of getting their stars involved finally. And once they did in game four, uh, they were harder to stop. Um, uh, and uh, so I, I, and I think, yeah, I think maybe the Jackets got a little bit overwhelmed in the moment. I think they tried too much to match the physicality of Boston. Um, I, I think the Jacks maybe even focused a little bit too much on defense at times. Uh, I felt like there were a lot of shifts where they got pinned down in the defensive zone and all five players were below the dots. And in turn, that made it so much more difficult to start a breakout because you had so much farther to go. And, you know, Boston... Like we had against Tampa, they had a great uh, forecheck. We're great at clogging up a neutral zone. And so we had trouble getting into the zone. We got into the offensive zone. We we couldn't get set up. You know, we couldn't have a sustained uh, offensive possession, the rebounds like you were talking about. Um, so, and I, I I don't know if there were adjustments that we could have made aside from just playing better. Um, you know, we talk about X's and O's, but, you know, most teams in hockey are trying to do the same things. 
a lot of times I think it comes down to just players executing and Boston just executed better there over the last three games. Yes, but <laughs> Boston did execute much better than Columbus did down the stretch. That's why they won the series. That's why they're playing Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals. However, when you're struggling for offense, I'm, get, I'm getting on my soapbox here. Putting Alexander Winberg in the lineup was the worst decision John Tortorella could have made next to Game 5, where he decided to ice seven defensemen on a team that was struggling for goals at 5-on-5. Five five. Both of those lineup decisions were absolutely baffling. Well, what goal scorer we, would you put in there instead? Uh, Alex Texier. And how many goals did he score in that series? Uh, more than he had, he at least had shots on goal, which is more than Winberg did. I'm interjecting. Texier, he can't handle the Bruins' intensity. He is too. Neither, neither can Alexander Winberg. But he's seen it. He's been there. He knows a little bit what to expect. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. No, he really doesn't. Winberg, Winberg is awful. But I wouldn't feel comfortable putting a prospect. I wouldn't feel comfortable putting a prize prospect who is very new to the pros up against the Bruins who have no problems annihilating someone who's been around. At some point, too, you have to protect your prospects. So in that sense, I would I consider them on the same level a little bit in this series, and I would put in Wenberg over Texier just to protect Texier. And and I think Texier looked a bit overwhelmed uh, in a way that he did against Tampa. I mean, he just got bullied off the off the puck, and you know, because he's nineteen years old. And I trust that this summer he will work out, he will add muscle, and he will get stronger because he's a got decent size. But uh, I think he was just clearly out of his element there. Winberg obviously didn't any, add anything offensively, and he didn't really, add a shot on goal. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, there there is no point. I mean, I don't. If you're gonna put someone in, where where's Eric Robinson? Why isn't he getting a chance? And how Look many at, how many points did he have in the regular season? He, he who cares? <laughs> why why are we going back to a? Tr the point is, why are we? No no no. Why are we going back to a tried and true offensive failure when in in seven defensemen in a game five in a must win game five where we just got destroyed in game four on home ice with no five on five production. And we are not even attempting to score goals. The, well, the jackets didn't, the jackets, I mean, defensively, the jackets played fairly well in this series. I, I'm, I think they, I think that's pretty well established. They, they limited the, they limited the chances out for Boston outside of, you know, the outside of game four, where that was probably their worst, Played game of the series. Well, game five was pretty bad too because the Jags didn't show up for fifty minutes. But it's it mm. at some point like there's an over reliance. There's there, there's making a game a low event game, and then there's absolutely turtling and just trying like when as you mentioned we had, we had five guys below the dots at a lot of points in this series, and that's just not good enough. Look at the, look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to do against Boston. They were able to force Game Seven. Granted, they lost, but they they were able to force Game Seven by using their speed through the neutral zone, throwing pucks up, and trying to just you know 
beat Boston with speed. It's what Columbus did and was working in the first three games of the series. Well, and I think that's one place maybe where they thought that Winvert could help because he he is good in the defensive zone. He's good, generally a good defensive forward, and he's a good passer. So if anyone was going to be starting a breakout out of the defensive zone, that's something that he would be capable of doing. Um, and, and I'm not going to defend the, the seven defenseman thing. I hate when coaches do that. I, I know, especially Boston, if you're going to play Clendenning three minutes. Right. Well, what I, is the actual point? Obviously, the reason why they did that is because they wanted to play Gabrikov, but they were maybe not sure that he could handle it, so they wanted some backup in that case. But as we saw, Gabrikov looked very comfortable in that game, and Clendenning did not. Uh, so, so I and they went obviously mm-hmm. back to sixty in Game Six, and I think Gabrikov looked fine. So they shouldn't have done that, but I think you know, right. I think Gavrikov is going to be a good player. Oh, absolutely. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a very solid second pair yeah. guy. But I, you know, I don't want to. I don't think we should waste you know too much emotion talking about um, you know who you're, who we're putting in on the bottom six because that's really more like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. It almost didn't matter the way the season played out. <laughs> well, and I think that yeah, you talk about second, secondary scoring. I think the bigger problem. Is the primary scoring? Mm. Yes. What was Dubois doing? What was Atkinson, Atkinson. doing? PLD and Atkinson are my biggest problems and in this series. My, for my what boy Bertrand had a great series against Tampa, and he got some opportunities against Boston, but wasn't able to find the back of the net. I think our best offensive player in the Boston series was Boone Jenner. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, probably. I- him, him or Duchesne. I have to add this about Boone Jenner. So I don't know about you guys, but watching game four, I swear, every Boston power play was basically a Boone Jenner, like a steal and like a breakaway. I mean, he had, it seemed like he almost had a couple of chances where he could have scored easily. He had the penalty shot, right? But um, yeah, Jenner had a really good series. Um, And talking about the scoring, the primary scoring, um, I think I, I wrote it in my article, I believe Panarin led the series for the Blue Jackets in terms of uh, 5 on 5 scoring. I believe he had three goals, which just show. I mean, he had five goals, but two were on the power play at least. And, uh, or I should say, either one or two were on the power play, and then he had a 4 on 4 goal, I believe. But I think as far as even strength, he only had three goals, which led the team as far as that stat goes. So it just shows you, like you guys said, the primary scoring dried up. Cam Atkinson had his had a goal since the empty net goal in game three against the lightning uh, Dubois, you know, was disappeared, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. I mean, we all had our questions about Bobrovsky going into the playoffs. He was our best player idea or basically the way the, the whole playoffs played out because the scoring ended up being their downfall. Really. PLD ended up a minus five in these playoffs for what it's worth. Not ideal. All right, so uh, did you guys have? I was kind of curious. Uh, we were you were kind of mentioning it, talking about the off season, and just kind of being a little leery about that. Um, I, it seems like you know. I remember the Zingle when he first got to Columbus was so excited. It seemed like based on either the Instagram picture and Duchesne's uh, picture, or uh, even just his comments about you know basically if they wanted to bring him back um you know it it seemed like he was all for it but with the way either things played out with him statistically maybe struggling a little bit or his minutes being diminished and of course the scratch in the playoffs and 
kind of his comments with reporters. Um, what, do you guys think that there's any chance a guy like Zingle comes back, or do you think he's good as gone? I, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure he's a fit here, honestly. And I, I wrote that piece about that last week. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think he was worth the price we paid this year. Um, now it might be more worth it if we if we keep him around, but you know uh, maybe his ceiling is only as a you know third line winger and not really a top six guy like we saw because um, he he was basically a ghost in, in the entire playoffs aside from you know a goal in the comeback in game five. I mean, did Dzingle give Dzingle had four eight twelve down the stretch, which yeah, is probably more than. Anthony Duclair was going to do here. But he only had one goal in the playoffs in nine games. It was a healthy scratch in game three, two, two or three. Anyway, um, which that's not more than Anthony Duclair would have done. And we paid two second round picks for the rich man's version of Anthony Duclair. He had 10 shots on goal in nine postseason games. That's at five on five. That's bad. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that price was worth it. And like you said, I don't think he's. You know, I don't think he's going to stay. I'll just flat out say it. I don't think he's going to stay given his comments that he said today. It seemed like the healthy scratch really irked him, and I think that's just about it. Um, well, and, and what's it going to cost to sign him? Is he going to ask for, for right. five years, right. five million a year? And I, I, I don't want to pay that. And given what we saw is coming up on the left wing, I'd rather play Texier in the top six than... Dzingle at this point, just throwing that out there. So on an ELC, certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I just don't, I don't know if there's a place for Ryan Dzingle on the roster right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I just think it's all dependent. Uh, I think a lot of the UFAs or people in general are dependent on what happens this summer. I think we're going to see another issue where management is so focused on signing certain people that other people walk. And then after free like the beginning of free agency, they're rushing to find other people to fill their spots. Kind of like when they focus so much on Johansson and they let some guys who they could have molded like Jack Skilly just walk because they can't, they can't wait. They're at that point in their life where they just they can't wait to find out if you really want them or not. I think that's going to happen with Dezingle. And then if no one picks him up and he stays, they're going to have to bite the bullet and they're going to do something stupid like pay him $5 million for however many years. Yeah, I know uh, Dezingle already turned down a five-year deal from Ottawa before he was traded, and I don't know. I mean, maybe some team will look at him and pay him at same price. Maybe he lost money based on his statistics or his performance down the stretch with Columbus. I don't know what his problem was exactly or really why maybe he seemed to struggle like he did um, because he had, I mean, not that this necessarily would be the reason why he would do well, 
But because he had at least his his good buddy in Duchesne there, you would think that would have at least in one way helped. And I don't know, maybe him and Torts didn't really mesh. Maybe the lack of minutes at times. I mean, he had games in the regular season where it's like he's playing Duclair minutes, which is like, what, 13 minutes in a game here or there. So maybe it just he wasn't a fit. I like the Zingle in general. Right. I mean, he he's shown potential to score, so... And he, he wasn't getting power play minutes here, which he did get a lot of power play minutes in Ottawa. But I feel like you kind of have to earn that. Like, you can't just use that as an excuse because if you're really that good, you need to be producing at even strength as well. And I also don't know who I would have bumped. Right, are you going to bump Panarin or Texier? Like, I would have rather had Texier out there. In... Or Dark Strand or... You know, and yeah. you know, we we gave you know we gave Nick Felino some some crap for his performance on the first pile. No. But but you're not going to put Dezingle no, in that and, spot. In the middle, and to his not, credit, I I should game. say Felino was great on the power play in Game Six. Yeah, he was. I thought he was. I didn't have I didn't oh, have, really have any yeah. issues with Nick Felino in that in that series. I I wish he could have finished a chance or two, but you know I could say that for everyone else on the roster. So. Well, and, and he was in his appropriate role as a, yeah. you know, middle six, bottom six kind of guy. And yeah, he, he got high effort from him every shift. I didn't really see him being a liability. Yeah, I'll throw this in, in real quick. So, yeah, that, you guys that, mentioned that it with Polino. I know I've given him some slack here, or I should, I should say I haven't given him some slack sometimes, but he always brings it. Even if he's not producing, you know, maybe statistically in, in goals and points, he's always bringing it and always brings that emotion. So. I'd never have to question the desire or effort from a guy like Felino, but um, just wanted to throw that in there. But yeah, um, uh, yeah. As far as the Zingle, it sounds like he could be gone. I know the Blackhawks are kind of rumored to potentially be a fit for him, being I think from Chicago is that he is. But yeah, um, I, I think for me, and I think probably everybody, uh, I'm sure Bahab and Panarin are definitely gone. I can't see any way that either one really comes back, and. I think Duchesne is the one that I'm holding out hope for just because it's obvious as what kind of impact that he brought. And I think I'm hoping that he, I mean, he really seemed to love Columbus, the city, the town, or, you know, the team. Uh, he seemed to really enjoy his time there. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously everybody gives Yarmo a lot of crap for maybe going all in at the trade deadline, but he got Duchesne, and Duchesne got a chance to see Columbus and experience everything firsthand, whereas you're trying to sell a team to a guy who's never been there or played there, and that's, you know, probably harder anyway. I'm not sure Duchesne's coming back, but I think at least the opportunity to have played there and seen firsthand what the team is like and how they can win and how he can be a reason why they're winning hopefully helps sway him, but do you guys I, I think, think, I think that... You're absolutely right there, I mean, what but, do you guys think about this? I think he's going to go... I think he's going to test free agency, and he absolutely should. If I were his agent, if I were the players' union, I'd be like, yes, test the market, get the offers. But I think with all the teams that will offer him, uh, the Jackets have a really strong case to make. And there is that familiarity. Like, here, you've been here for a few months, we had a great run, you had success in the playoffs, which is something you said that you want. We will pay you whatever you want. There's the cap space here to do that. So, and yeah, you've got a young family. Players and young families love being in Columbus. You know, talk to Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno about, you know, how they've settled down. 
Uh, so I think there is a lot for Columbus to offer him. So I feel I feel good that we've got a really good shot. And I've heard some other teams thrown out as possibilities, like like Nashville or, or Montreal, but I those don't seem like as good of a fits for me, just because I don't know where he would really fit in on the depth chart there, or do they have the cap space to sign? I think both of those teams would have to make some moves to to get him. And if you look at all the teams in the league that could offer, you know that he wants to go to a team that's already a contender. He doesn't want to be on another rebuild. So that limits the number of teams. And of the teams that are competitive, how many have spots for a center on their top two lines and how many have the cap space to pay him, say, $9 million for the next seven years? You know, And then clubs can offer him an eighth year as well. So I think I think this is a, could be a really, really good fit for him, and I hope he sees it the same way. Right, I absolutely agree. I'm I'm holding out hope that Duchesne is the one who stays here. Um, obviously, he's a Canadian boy, might want to go home and play in Montreal, but I don't. I mean, if you're gonna if the the Columbus Blue Jackets have offered him a a chance to like play in the postseason, and he was obviously successful. He's never had postseason success before this season. Um, scored his first goals in the playoffs as a Blue Jacket. That's you know. The, Sentiment, sentiment is a thing, and it's going to weigh on his mind as he goes to make this decision. And I don't blame him for testing the market, trying to find out what's what the best things are out there, what best offer fits him. But I don't think Yarmo is going to cheap out and you know offer him six million dollars a year or something. I think whatever Duchesne wants, Yarmo is going to uh, offer him and say We're, we'll negotiate. We want you to stay. You've you've solidified our top six center position for the next decade please stay here and contend with us and continue to uh make noise in the playoffs well you know we might lose our timmy panarin sure that's probably a given but we've got so many prospects coming up so much goal scoring it's not like we're gonna fall off a cliff this is more of a retool than a rebuild and we've got you know goaltending prospects basically falling out of our hands we have so many we've got Elvis, we've got Daniil Tarasov who just signed his ELC. The goaltending position of this of this franchise is solid, if not spectacular. This this could be a place Duchesne sets up his family, stays for the next eight years, and contends and goes to the playoffs and makes noise for the next yeah eight years. I don't see any reason he couldn't stay here. Regardless of if he stays or not, because I'm I'm unsure which he'll pick. If another offer that's better comes in, he might take it. I don't have a pulse on him. But regardless of where he goes and what he does, instead of the Jackets chasing down someone to replace him or spending all their time to find another quote-unquote superstar to play with him, they really need to work with what they have in the prospects pool and the young guys to mold to train them to play with Duchesne. So maybe next year might not be the best year. We probably would still make it in the playoffs, but at least for years to come, they will know how to play with him or they'll know how to play with Cam or they'll know how to play for whoever has to step in to the big role that are being left empty. Yeah, to that point, see, I'm really... uh... 
I'm really interested in seeing how this team is going forward because for me, you know, I even mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, you lose a guy like Panarin, a game breaker, it's hard to replace that. You don't just replace a guy like Panarin, but you have, the Blue Jackets have scoring on the wings with guys like Atkinson and Bjorkstrand and Anderson and, you know, Dubois, well, Dubois is a center, but, you know, they, they have, they have scoring potential, obviously. And for me, Duchesne is huge to try to, re, to try to keep because you need that, you know, they've never, I mean, besides, you know, Dubois and a couple of years of Ryan Johansson, they've always needed a big time center. And, while I think Dubois is definitely going to develop into that, and he's already been really good and you know great in his first two years with Columbus, it's great having that experience in a guy like Duchesne. And you look at other teams, you know, in the Metro, even just whether it's Pittsburgh or you know whoever, they've always had big time center depth. So obviously, keeping or getting a guy like Duchesne for the next eight years potentially would only be huge. But and of course, that would help offset the potential loss of a guy like Panarin. But um, to Elaine's point, too, um, I, I'm kind of curious because for me, the team, like I said, has scoring potential, and I think they're still going to be a playoff-type team. But for me, I'm curious about the prospects that we know they have coming up, whether it's this year or you know over the next couple of years. But if they do lose Bobrovsky, we know what he is. He's an anchor in the net in the regular season, and as we found out, even in the playoffs, apparently. But um, I'm really curious to see if, if Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzliskins are going to be the two guys in that. Is Elvis ready for the NHL? Is Corposalo even able to be a, a starter? Or do they even trade a guy like Corposalo and get what they can for him? If maybe a guy like Kincaid is, I don't, I think he's probably gone, but I don't know. Cause Keith Kincaid is a veteran backup or maybe they, see what they can get for a guy like Corpusalo. But for me, the wild card is kind of the goalie situation because we're going to see, it looks like we're going to see what life is like post-Bobrovsky. And I think Elvis is going to be a really fascinating story because he, from what I've been able to kind of gauge from him, he seems ready for this next challenge. He sounds like the real deal, but I just want to see if he's able to actually bring that, at least in his first year. I don't know what to expect with him. The good news is that this team has come a long way from 2013-2014 where it was it was all Bob. You know, he he carried the team for long stretches. That's that's really not the way the roster is built anymore. I mean, look at at the beginning of the season, we were not getting great goaltending. Corpus right. was playing better than Bob, but neither was was really any better than league average. But the offense was great. They were scoring lots of goals, and they found ways to win games. If you look at the at the back end, the blue line next year is going to be by far the best we've ever had. Could be the best blue line in the league with Jones and Marinsky as the first pair, obviously. Marcus Pudovarda and David Savard, who are both very good to solid. And then the third pair could be Gavrikov and Kukan, who I think both played very well in the playoffs. Kukan had to step up into the second pair when Nudavara got hurt, and I don't, I don't think the step, second pair took a step back. I really like the way that Kukan played. So the defense is going to help out whoever's in goal. Uh, and if you just look at the way they played against Tampa and Boston, they didn't give up a lot of high-danger chances. So that bodes well going forward. And we've got some you know defensively solid forwards, and the big question for me is just going to be 
can we replace, you know, Panarin's goal scoring production, whether it takes one player or, or likely multiple players to, uh, his goals, his assists, you know, where's that going to come from? But if we can continue to score well above three goals a game like we did this year, then it's not going to matter who's in net. Uh, excuse me, I was under the impression we are trading Zach Warensky. Oh, or of Cam Atkinson too, right? <laughs> oh, people are so smart. Social media is fun. Yeah, don't don't go on social media, folks. <laughs> Just everyone log off the internet entirely. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're gonna be fine. It's just yeah. losing losing Panarin is gonna suck. It's just what I, I look forward to seeing what moves Yarmo makes because there's no way he's going to just sit around this offseason. We have we have seen that Yarmo is going to do whatever it takes to make this team a contender. Um, I do have a I do have a thought that I want to kind of I know I realize this podcast is running really long. But I do. Re- I have a thought that I want to propose to you guys. What do you guys think of the rumors that like Bill Zito might leave? Because I heard a, I heard an interesting thought on, or I saw an interesting thought on Twitter the other day that could the Blue Jackets, if if John Davidson leaves and goes to the Rangers, as is heavily rumored in hockey circles, could the Blue Jackets promote Yarmo to president of hockey ops and pr- promote Bill Zito to GM, a la what? the Vegas Golden Knights just did with George McPhee. Absolutely. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and I think that's definitely a possibility. It's curious because uh, someone was like, John Davidson was part of the all-in, I guess, initiative as far as going for it, and then it's like, if he bolts, but obviously we know his tie is with the Rangers, um, and apparently he has a clause that he can leave and take that presidency with New York. And I mean... He's had a good track record with the Blues, building them uh, back up from the dead a couple of years ago and then coming to Columbus. So, uh, you know, I hope he stays, but I can't blame him for going back to the Rangers. If, if he does go, I think he's laid a good foundation here. And I think that the, yeah. the brick by brick philosophy will will stay here even if he's gone. Now, I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to hear Elaine's thoughts about if Zito got a promotion because uh, and, you know she's got to observe his uh, work with the Monsters over the last few years. In my personal opinion, I am unsure how he would do in that role. Um, he did not come. To, I did not see physically with my eyes see him in Cleveland that much during the regular season. He was at every playoff game, so that's a plus. Um, but when you are the GM of a specific team, I know he's also the assistant GM of. Um, the jacket as well but his presence wasn't known enough down there there was a lot of people asking me who he was when he showed up and I had to explain that he was the GM um, I I don't know how things would go maybe he would do better just having to focus on one team and one team only and then they promote Blake Geffrey, um to GM of the monsters instead of assistant or maybe Rick Nash would take on a different role in the organization as well. So it will be interesting to see. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor in chief of the verge and host of decoder a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas 
problems that come from those ideas and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we are getting towards the end of the podcast, but I have to get Elaine's thoughts on the Monsters season. Uh, they Things came to an untimely end for them as well in their playoff series with the Toronto Marlies. Elaine, what can you tell us about the Cleveland Monsters and their playoffs and their season? Well, their season was very much like the Jackets. It was very roller coastery and filled with a lot of drama. <laughs> um, <laughs> They seem to mimic each other in the playoffs, too. Everything the Monsters struggled with is the same stuff the Jackets struggled with, which I found very interesting. But that might also play to the fact Coach Madden coaches the guys to be ready for how things work up in Columbus, which is why many of the... <laughs> which is why guys like Clendenning and Texier were able to just hop into the lineup without too many issues. Um, it was really disappointing on Tuesday, though. I went in prepared for a loss. I prepared myself, but I wasn't prepared to watch them essentially give up. They started out really strong, and then... Halfway through the second period, you just saw them mailing it in, especially the veterans. I was so, so disappointed in the veterans, the Zach Dalbys, the Alec Broadhurst, even Mark Latestu. I felt like they just were like, season's done. And then you have, you know, Trey Fix Wolanski and tiny, tiny Derek Barash and Sonny Milano working their butts off, trying to make simple plays blue-collar plays, trying to make anything work, and then the veterans are just like, well, that's it. So it wasn't the ending I was hoping for. I was hoping for the dogfight Cleveland Monsters. I was hoping for overtime, double overtime, down to the, the last second kind of play. I mean, it was sad, and the fans tried so hard to to get the players amped up and and it just didn't work for most of them if it was unfair to the fans who have been along for the ride it was unfair to the young guys who were laying it out there for their veterans to just kind of say whatever it it was really tough <laughs> i will say this people talk a lot of crap about sunny milano but sunny was the playoff player he had 10 points, 10, 10 of them in eight games. He had a plus seven. Now, two times when he took penalties, the other team scored, which is not a good look. 
but he that just proves how important he is on the penalty kill. That just improve, that proves how important he's been to this team. And it it stinks thinking that he might get flipped this summer after they sign him because he is good. And if they worked with him a little bit more or if they gave him that responsibility now, I think he would do well. But well, there there is finally an opening in left wing on the top line. So <laughs> <laughs> to, to wit, his plus minus would have led the big club and his point total would have tra- trailed only Panarin, Duchesne, Jones and Atkinson. And he tried every way to score. I'm talking like he was setting up. That's more than you can say for Ryan. Disabled. I mean, he only so he only had two goals, but he had eight assists and also set up. Also more than you can say for Ryan to single. <laughs> he also set up plays that led to goals and he doesn't even have an assist on those. It was fantastic to watch the true Sonny Milano play. And I hope that continues. Preferably for us. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it stinks that it's done, and I hated that it was back-to-back eliminations. And it was really tough leaving Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, as it's called now. Because that was it. That's it for the summer. We're not seeing anyone else until October. No concerts, nothing. No security guards, no staff. It was just... It was... There was no real ending either because the monsters don't do exit interviews with the media. So my post-game presser with Mads was all I got. And there's no real way to like wrap up the season. I mean, there's no like closure to the season, not getting to talk to the players and their thoughts on how it went, which is kind of tough as a writer, especially when you've been there every home game. And as of late, almost every away game so kind of deflated (laughs) yeah uh just real quick i was just thinking when you said that it pretty much mirrored the blue jackets and you know the way things went it's like i don't know that's a good thing or not but they both got to the second round i'm not sure that any of us saw either that of those scenarios playing out um but alas we will see what's in store for the teams going forward into the off season and into next season we're basically out of time. I just wanted to get any last final thoughts that either of you might have had. PD? I would just say stay tuned. It's uh, There's a lot coming up this summer. It's going to be busy. Uh, I'm nervous about some of it, but I'm ex- also kind of excited to see what Yarmo has up his sleeve. Uh, it's going to be a different looking team in October, and, but I hope it's different in a good way. And I'm looking forward to recording more of these podcasts over the summer. So I thank people for listening. Keep listening and uh, send us questions and topic ideas. And we have a lot of time to kill the summer. So we'll try to get to them. Seeds. It sucks how the season ended. It really does. Um, I just want to say, if this is the last time we saw Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Duchesne, and Ryan Dezingle in Blue Jackets uniforms, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to those guys, especially Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin for the memories they've given us over the last few years, especially Bobrovsky with his um, two Vezina Trophy wins and leading us to the playoffs. Um, it's going to be a big different. It's going to be a real different team next year. There's going to be a lot of changes made in this offseason, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Yarmo does to keep this team in contention because I don't think we're going anywhere. 
but I mostly just want to say thank you to Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky for everything they did for us. Um, just being able to tune in and see greatness on a night-to-night basis the last couple of years has been truly a pleasure, and I, I really hope one day Blue Jackets fans, even even if they're bitter when they leave this summer, can look back and say thank you for everything they did for us. Yeah, well said. Um, Elaine, how about you? I'm a little scared for the summer, mostly because I don't know what I'm going to do with all my time. Like, I'll actually see people, um, but then I have no excuses for when I don't want to see people. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, I hope Yarmo isn't out there all summer trying to make money moves and going balls to the walls because there is enough in our system to work with. At some point, we have to start looking at our prospects as future considerations, not for another team, but for us, something to consider in the future and to mold for the future. I feel like it hasn't been that way for the past few years. So I'm afraid he's going to just keep bringing in these young guys and playing them above people who have been here, who have been trying to mold into the system, who have been told one thing and then shown something else. Um, So I really hope Zito and Yarmo and JD don't go nuts (laughs) trying to sign people, spend all this money making ballsy plays. I, I want them to kind of chill out this summer and assess what they have. That's my final thought. Yeah, I think to that point as well, I think that we, you know, we know July 1st players are going to sign. Um, obviously, I don't know what kind of dialogue they can have with players or I guess pretending or potential uh, or the UFAs. I don't know if there's any kind of dialogue that can come by or that can happen between now and uh, July 1st. But obviously, Duchesne knows that Columbus would have him back. Columbus, you know, is going to try to keep him, I'm sure, at all costs. Um, but Obviously, they have to plan ahead without him just in case. I think Yarmo will do his due diligence on him. Other players uh, take stock into what they do have and what they know they need to fill. So I'm not too worried about them. Take, it's, you know, I, I think because they know July 1st, people are going to come and go. I think that they know they have some time to kind of plan out their offseason map, so to speak. But real quick, I just wanted to say also that I think it was a very good uh, experience for Columbus to have the success that they finally had in the playoffs against the Lightning. I it, it was almost too easy that I don't know that if that's more a disservice to Tampa or just that Columbus just played that well uh, as far as the way they, they knocked off the best team in the Lightning. But they saw what it was definitely like against the Bruins. I don't think anybody was caught by surprise knowing that the Bruins are a physical team, knowing how hard um, of a series that could be and would be and end up being. So I think it's kind of kind of take the good with the bad that they finally got to enjoy some success, but they also saw how much work potentially they still either need to do. Scoring needs to, you know, improve in that area at times, or of course health didn't play, didn't help either. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think basically for Columbus, it's kind of looking at some of the good things that definitely happened, but also looking at what happened or didn't happen against the Bruins. So that's just kind of my thoughts on that. We are at the end. We will be back next week 
Be sure to check out CBJ Cannon or at CBJ Cannon on Twitter, jacketscannon.com for all of the off-season content that we have already started putting out there and will continue to do so. So until then, we will hop off tonight and we'll be back next week.